0: The Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona sports, Ain't No Fang. Spring training has finally arrived, and we are only one month away from opening day for the Diamondbacks. Steve Zinsmeister, Alex Weiner on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Thanks for checking it out today. Talking all things spring training. Alex, you've been back out at the ballpark. Sure. Uh, It's been several months since you got that feel for baseball. What's it like to be back out there, smell the fresh cut grass, and finally be talking some Diamondbacks baseball again? Well, you're going to be out there with me in just a couple of weeks, (laughs) right? You told me not to
1: mention it, but I have. I have pre- and post-game host for the Arizona Diamondbacks on the radio. So, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. you I deserved. I think we're going to see
0: more of each other at the ballpark than we ever did at the radio station. That's 100% <laughs> going to be the case, yeah. So, if nothing else, I'm excited about that. But, yeah, no, it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be fun to cover the team in a more in-depth way than ever before, at least for, for me. Um, but for you, to be back out at camp over the last couple of days, like, that's that's a pretty cool vibe, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's been great. It's, um, you know... The offseason was short, which is, you know, what you want as far as like the team getting deep into the postseason and then spring training just kind of comes around the corner. So, yeah, it, it felt like on one hand, it's like, oh, you miss baseball so much. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, we're kind of already here and now we're watching games already. So um, but no, it's been it's I guess sort of the big question is what would you know, how would the team come into spring training after such a long season where they got so close and the vibe has been pretty good. It's been pretty similar. It's, it's a young team with. You know, still a lot of guys who know each other very, very well. Um, so you, you still kind of feel that. You felt that last year. You kind of feel the same thing. And now, you know, the talk has been like, okay, putting last year aside while also recognizing how cool of an experience that was. But now it's how do we get to the next step, which is maybe winning more than 84 games, getting into the playoffs more comfortably, and then getting you know, one step further when you're in the postseason. So um, that's been sort of kind of early themes. And I think it's an excited club to try to prove that they can take it another step beyond last season.
0: Yeah, that's an an interesting puzzle to try to figure out is how do we continue to be motivated by not winning the World Series and by coming so close and having as much continuity in their roster as they do, because pretty much everybody is back, minus a couple small pieces. Tony, uh, Tommy Pham, uh, Evan Longoria are gone, Mm -hmm. but they've been replaced by several significant pieces in their lineup. So, even though the team is primarily pretty much the same, how do you continue to stack on top of that when that is the primary motivator for last year? But this is a new entity, and it's it's a fresh start, but we also Want to continue to be pushed by that? Um, we're going to talk a lot about some of the guys that you've seen in the last couple of days out of camp. So I do want to hear about some of like the guys that you were most intrigued to see, but I think they're going to pop up in some of our conversations. Sure. Let's start with kind of the biggest headline over the last couple of days. We've seen Tommy Henry. We've seen Ryan Nelson. And with the top four in the starting rotation pretty well solidified at this point, that fifth spot is wide open and some really good competitive ball so far early from some of the guys who could fit into that fifth spot. Absolutely. I think it was on the first day at camp where Torrey was asked
1: about, you know, the starting rotation. And, you know, I guess when you're going into it, it's like, OK, we think Brandon Fott's probably solidified in there, just given what he showed in his you know, most recent call up and then in the postseason, how good he was. Uh, but it's like, okay, coming to the camp, is there going to be a little bit of like, yeah, he still has to earn it. It seems like he's pretty much penned into the fourth starter spot. So I think so. Not a surprise to anybody. Um, as far as the, yeah, you're right. Fifth starter, that's, it's interesting. So, In recent seasons, the camp battles for the Diamondbacks have been a lot more prominent than they are this year. This year, it's fifth starter, backup infielder, maybe one other outfielder, backup catcher. catcher. I mean, it's it's a lot of that bullpen. It's a lot of that kind of stuff, which is a great problem to have. Um, It's much different than who the heck is going to be the starting third baseman or who the heck is going to like that kind of thing. So, you know, when looking at, you know, starting rotation... Um, Yeah, there's a few guys. Obviously, you mentioned Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson. They're seen as the front runners, but there's also Slade Ciccone. Um, They have a few other guys who are like behind and battling for it, too. But yeah, Henry and Nelson so far look pretty good. Nelson spent pretty much the entire offseason at Salt River Fields. I mean, he said he took a couple of weeks off after the World Series and then still in November. Came back and has been working with pitching coaches, you know, Brent Strom and Dan Carlson and trying to find more consistency with the off-speed stuff so he can balance the fastball with it a little bit better. Um, We saw flashes from him last year, but it wasn't a consistent start-by-start basis that you knew what you were going to get. And then Tommy Henry, who was much more consistent last year, you know, working on some mechanics, trying to be a bit more consistent with the fastball command and also looked very good in his first start. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be something to watch. I think Henry's going today um, after Brandon Fott, who's starting the game out in Goodyear against the Guardians. So... Um, yeah, this, it's going to be something that it's not going to be solved in the next week or so. It's going to continue throughout camp, and you never know. Maybe somebody who doesn't end up with that fifth starter spot ends up with a role in some other capacity.
0: Yeah, the bullpen maybe, or maybe the sixth arm, the first guy out of Reno, which inevitably, as Tori has talked about, you're going to need six or yeah. seven guys at at a minimum. I mean, if not, maybe even more, knock on wood. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. This is not something that's going to solve itself in the next couple of days. It's a, it's a process over the next month or so. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question there about the fifth starter is, you know, do you think that this is just simply a matter of whoever plays the best in spring training gets the job? Like if Ryan Nelson's numbers are, are better than Tommy Henry's, does he automatically win the job or do they go into this thinking, you know, we're thinking this is our order and spring training stats are more of a confirmation of what we already believe and less of an actual open competition. How open is the competition?
1: Yeah. Um, It's pretty open. I mean, but at the same time, it's not like whoever pitches better in the spring training games is going to necessarily get the nod. It's whomever they project as being the more effective starter. And, you know, maybe they see some guy as having a higher ceiling, but with a little bit more variance. Do they want to go with somebody they feel is more steady? Um, Again, kind of harping back to last year, Ryan Nelson, when he was really good, had a few starts where he was really good. But we just, especially at home, he had some stroke, he had some stinkers, and Tommy Henry was more consistent. So if they see something kind of similar as far as their projections for this year, what do they want to do? Um, That's something that'll be considered. But yeah, I mean, they're taking everything into consideration. Sure, how they perform in the games, but how do they look... In the bullpens, or in live bullpens, or in live batting practice sessions, it's 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 going to be kind of everything. So, yeah, it's not it's not just the games, but certainly everything's going to count.
0: Do you think that the cleanup spot that Ryan Nelson had in the World Series was that game four, game five? Oh uh, yeah, game four. Game four. The the bullpen day disaster. He yeah. came in. If I I'm not looking at the stats offhand, but I mean, he came in, gave them I think five really really good innings. Was at his best when the lights were brightest. Does that one outing in the World? Does that play a big role in this conversation for him? Is that something to write home for on the resume that maybe couldn't help him land that fifth starter spot?
1: I think it was five and a third with one earned run. And yeah, he was terrific. He was getting strikeouts. I mean, um, against a really good Rangers lineup. Exactly. One that was teeing off on the
0: bullpen all day. Like that almost means more to me than any spring training start or relief appearance. Right. I mean, it
1: probably... You know, you take it as like that's something that he can be. But as far as being
0: a big factor, I'm I'm not so sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Another uh, roster position battle, I guess you would call it um, with the addition of Randall Gritchick Mm. being the uh, what we all assume is going to be a role as the right handed DH against left handed starting pitching. He'll get some time in the outfield, I assume, against righties as well with the addition of Gritchick, Jock Peterson. Lourdes Gurriel is back. Obviously, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas are going to get their reps as well. Where does that leave them with the conversation about a sixth outfielder? Because we all kind of thought Jake McCarthy, with being injured in the in the playoffs, now he's ready to roll again. He spent time in the minor leagues each of the last two seasons, but has also been in the majors quite a bit. Do they have room for him? Do they do they want to carry six outfielders into the offs into the regular season, knowing that two of them are probably going to be primary DH? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, when you
1: have a, when you're constructing a roster, I mean, now 26 man rosters, you have 13 position players. They're gonna have two catchers. So we know it's Moreno and whoever wins the backup job, either Jose Herrera, or Tucker Barnhart at this point. Um, and, the, and then that kind of if you have six outfielders, that leaves you with five infielders. So you're four starters and then. Somebody who is going to have to have some pretty good versatility in order to maybe spell Christian Walker if he needs to or potentially back up shortstop if he needs to. And they have a couple guys who can do that. You know, Emmanuel Rivera and Jace Peterson are playing shortstop a little bit in spring and can also play some first base. So they have some guys with versatility. But, yeah, it, it just it shrinks what you can do a little bit there if you have a sixth outfielder. And if you ha- with a six outfielder, it's not entirely clear what that role will be either. Um, McCarthy has been a, a useful player for them. He started off really poorly last season, went down, tore it up in Reno, came back, and was useful and sort of a part-time role. He stole 26 bags last year, and so um, he, he would have been, you know, some sort of role in the, he would have had some sort of role in the postseason as, as a bench bat, but— uh, he, you know suffered an oblique strain and, and missed the entire month so um yeah it's it's going to be a good question it's hard to see it just because they have so many different options maybe randall Gritchik's ankle he's he's working back from ankle surgery maybe that has something to do with it it seems like he's going to be good to go for opening day but can he play in the outfield at that point or is he going to be a dh at that point um they have a lot to figure out as far as how they're going to use all these outfielders that they have and now if you add in a sixth i think that muddies it up a little bit, but it's something that they're going to talk about.
0: And I guess that kind of bleeds into the backup infield conversation. You're talking about you know, how much versatility do you really have there. I think an ideal roster probably has at least two backup infielders, one who can play the middle infield and one who can play the corners. Um, The infield I've always kind of assumed or, or always kind of projected is to have a backup who can play second and short, probably a Kevin Newman who they signed to a minor league deal, although I don't believe he's on the 40 man right now. So you would have to figure out a way to add him if that's the guy. Um, Jordan Lawler is a big part of this conversation. Super prospect. Launched a mammoth home run the other day. Um, So already kind of off to a bit of a hot start in spring for him. Didn't have a role in the postseason. Barely played at all. um, But got a call up late last season in September, um, but just hasn't had a lot of experience yet. The problem with him is, though, I think if you want to develop him as a really great player, which I believe he will be, don't you need to get him every day at bats? And that's probably not happening at the major league level. So at least with Lawler, I'm thinking probably more likely he starts in the minors. But then where does that leave you with a guy who can play shortstop? Because is that Emmanuel Rivera? Is that Jace Peterson? Is that Kevin Newman? I don't know who the, that guy is right now.
1: Yeah, Lawler. I mean, you know, Troy Lavello has said her older Perdomo that there's not really a battle there right now. Perdomo's going to be the everyday shortstop come opening day. Lawler, you know Mike Hazen, and they they've, they've said that they want to see him play every day and get everyday reps, right? So that means Lawler's most likely going to start off in AAA to get some experience, and then he'll have a role to play at some point this season, is sure. in all likelihood. Um, yeah, where does that leave the backup infield? Again, if they have six outfielders, you can only pick one. Emmanuel Rivera's out of options. He can play m- multiple positions. That you know looks like. a pretty good argument for him. But if they have five outfielders and you can have a couple of backup infielders, then, you know, do you do Rivera and Peterson as both guys who can play multiple positions? You have one righty and one lefty, both veteran guys who were there during that postseason run. Or do you bring in maybe somebody like Blaze Alexander, who's a prospect who figures at, at this point in his career to get some MLB exposure this season can play multiple positions, has a terrific arm, very athletic. We've already seen it in in camp and in some spring training games. He turned a double play the other day where he's falling away from first base, but he almost threw it as if – like. The heat of which he threw the ball felt like he was like going towards first base, like he's that he's kind of got that kind of arm. Um, so he'll be in there, Kevin Newman will be in there. So they have a bunch of guys who are competing for that spot. So yeah, it's it's definitely not something that's gonna be, you know, easy to project right now. But right now it it seems like Rivera will have a role just because of you know, he's out of options. Maybe Peterson
0: just for the veterans aspect,
1: but um
0: they have guys. Interesting enough. Uh backup catcher you mentioned. Briefly. Uh, I don't know how much of a competition I mean obviously there's a couple of guys who could land that job Jose Herrera could be back he certainly did a pretty good job with the pitching staff last year doesn't provide a ton offensively although how much do you really need offensively from a backup catcher Um, Tucker Barnhart is an experienced MLB catcher who they brought in this spring to kind of compete in that role there's a couple other minor league guys who could work their way into that conversation how competitive is that battle for backup catcher especially now that Gabby Moreno has really evolved and has become, I don't want to call him a superstar catcher at this point, but he's going to be the primary guy. I mean, we're no longer coming into a season where we're wondering how much time will he split with Carson Kelly. Uh, he's long gone. You know, it's his job. So now how important is the backup catcher role and how competitive is that battle right now? Can we just like talk about Gabby Moreno instead of I'd, the I'd, of the I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not a
1: question mark anymore. I, I know. I know. Well, the question mark is how good will he be in year two and you know it's definitely eye test thing but he looks good i mean watching him throw down to second base and work on that is mesmerizing to watch just yeah you watch him do it versus the other catchers and it's just like night and day how quickly and explosive he is to get to second base he's hitting the ball really well he's had some really good at bats he's walking a few times in the games and then side fields and all that kind of stuff he's hitting the ball really hard with, with some decent power so um
0: I think it's probably a pretty decent bet that you're going to get a pretty good season out of Gabby Moreno. I guess the more important question then is, if you want him to be at that level all season long, you're going to have to sit him a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got to keep him fresh. It's like a good running back. He'll play like, much on Sundays, that's for sure. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, right. But behind him, yeah, you know, Barnhart is, you know, he's kind of been all over the place, kind of behind the scenes, like catching guys. And um, I guess one story is that, you know, Justin Martinez, who's a flamethrowing right-hander, made his Major League debut last year. Nasty stuff but struggling to throw strikes this early in his career. Um, they set up like a physical strike zone for him. So they had like a metal plate, a metal plate, and then just like a box pretty much. Like, with, like strings. strings, yeah. And like, it's like, who's going to, who wants to catch that behind that thing, you know? <laughs> like <with> that <laughs> Ball's going to deflect off of it, hit me in the gut. You know, yeah. Barnhart did it. And so that's, you know, maybe again, sort of kind of fitting into that, like I'll kind of do what I need to do kind of role. Um, but Herrera has that experience with the guys, and obviously he's he's doing a lot of that same stuff. So, yeah, I I don't really know who has the leg up at this point. You know, Barnhart's not much of an offensive player at this point in his career, and he's older, but he has more of the defensive track record than Herrera. So,
0: yeah, I'm not really sure if there's anybody with a leg up yet. How would you feel if you were the only guy they brought that fake strike zone out for. Like, you come out, on you're on the mound, they put up the strike zone, then when you get off the mound and somebody else steps up there, they take it down. I, I That's think demoralizing, I going got to be some self-awareness there. Yeah, I guess, no, probably. Nobody else can throw 102 miles per hour regularly. True, so true. He's got a few things going for him. Take. Exactly. I th- yeah, it's like going uh, bowling with your friends and you need the gutters. You know what I mean? The the bumpers, whatever they're called, the, for the gutters. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which new addition to the team? So, we're talking... I, I, I guess you could throw Lord Gurriel in the conversation. He's back uh, and as a free agent. But Jock Peterson, Randall Gritchick, uh Gino Suarez. Who am I missing? I feel like there might Eduardo be one. Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez. Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the success of the team going into 2024, especially early in the season? Which one of those additions is the biggest, in your opinion?
1: I think Rodriguez, probably. I mean, especially going forward. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about. Like look at this season, but it's a four-year commitment to somebody, and it's kind of their, their pitching staff is in an interesting position because Merrill Kelly's on the last year of his contract, but he has an option for next year. Zach Allen is two more years under team control before you know he's going to warrant a pretty hefty sum in free agency, I would think, uh, unless there's an extension. Um, yeah, so you know Rodriguez, as far as like for like looking at the rotation, like he's the future line. Yeah, he's going to he's he's committed to be there for a while, and for this season. They really needed to solidify that sort of middle of the rotation, which they didn't have pretty much the entirety of last season. I mean, last year it was such a up and down who's going to be, you know, reliable behind Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. And for a a while it was Tommy Henry, but then he gets hurt. For a while it's Ryan Nelson, but some inconsistency there. He goes down, he comes back up. Davies just wasn't as effective as they wanted him to be or that he was in 2022. Bumgarner got released early and so now now you have like a legitimate established guy in the middle of that rotation who can you know take up a lot of innings which will help the bullpen and maybe alleviate some of that stress off of kelly and gallon as they work to manage their workloads after they put in a lot of work last year, especially Gallon up over 240 innings. So I would say probably Rodriguez of all of the off-season acquisitions that
0: they made. I don't dis- disagree with you necessarily, but for the point of the conversation, I'll go with Suarez. Okay, uh, It's a guy... Hard to find this, but one of very few guys who played every single day. <laughs> you yeah. know, like he can be the guy every day I find at third hard base. Press
1: he's going to play 162 games this year, just with. Like, but if I had to bet 145,
0: there. or, or absolutely. I'd, absolutely, I'd bet the over on that. Yeah, and so for all intents and purposes, you've gone from third base being a very big question mark in 2023 and the only position that had a negative war over the course of the entire season to now you have a guy who's probably going to play there more than some of the regulars play in, in their regular spots. And so when you have that, Christian Walker's another one of those rare breeds where, you know, he's going to play almost every single day as well. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, huge. Nobody's denying that. But he's pitching every fifth day. Gino is in the lineup consistently every single day. And with the way that this team played last year, we talked about the chaos on the base paths. That's kind of their brand of baseball get on base and let's make something happen. He's kind of the antithesis to that. He brings something to the squad they just didn't really have beyond Walker. He can put the ball over the wall pretty consistently. I'm expecting at least. 25 home runs probably from the guy and he's going to drive in all those runners left on base from last year his batting average may be garbage it may be 230 240 at best um but i think you know what you're getting out of the guy and jock peterson plays into that conversation too they brought in guys with the intent of driving in the runs they left on base last season and i think on an everyday basis that's going to play a huge role in their success yeah, absolutely. And, you know, clubhouse guy, too. I mean, somebody yeah. who's been, you know,
1: loved pretty much everywhere he's gone. And um, you're right. Every day it's it's sort of like, you know, he's getting a little older, but he's not quite in like his mid 30s or anything like that yet. It's like what it what's sort of the projection for how the next couple of years go. Um, but you're right. He does provide something that they didn't have. And so, yeah, I think that's that's probably a good answer, too, especially because some of the other guys like Peterson and Gritchik they're gonna get their playing time, but you know, they're not gonna be in the lineup every single day like Suarez might so
0: Yeah, and he's got something to play for. He's got a team option for next year that if I'm remembering right is I think fifteen million. Um, which is probably an overpay for what he was last year, but If I'm him, I'm looking at it like, I'm going to go prove that I'm worth that, so that I'm back next year. Now, he may or may not, depending on many factors, but if I'm him, that's a motivating factor for next year. I want to continue to be here and be a part of this lineup every day, and so I'm going to go prove to them that I'm worth uh, what it is that they might end up paying in the long run. So uh, I think he's got a lot to play for. Third base last year, no offense to Evan Longoria, great leader, great clubhouse guy. At the end of his career, I don't think he anticipated he was playing for another payday down the road, but maybe Suarez is. And I think that he's the kind of guy who's going to go to Torrey and let him know I'm available. And, you know, he's a consistently healthy guy. And I think that that's going to play a huge role. Um, let's talk. A couple of guys that could make their debuts in 2024. Obviously, last year, we saw a lot of rookie impact. Still a lot of young guys. Obviously, Corbin Carroll wins Rookie of the Year. He appeared at the end of the previous season. Um, Jordan Lawler, we mentioned. I think his path is laid before him. We'll see what it looks like. But who are some other guys, whether it's pitchers, hitters, who might make an appearance sometime in 2024, maybe not opening day, but will make their debuts, and maybe there's a chance they stick long term?
1: Yeah, I mean, mention Blaze Alexander as, like, versatile infielder who has—he's hit pretty much everywhere he's gone. I mean, the strikeouts are a little higher than you want, but at the same time, um, he's got some pop for a middle infielder type who can play all over. So, as far as, like, somebody who could make an impact early as sort of, like, that backup shortstop, backup second base, something like that, um, he could be there. Um, Looking at the pitching, you know, know, we're looking at Henry and and Nelson as, you know— fifth starter options but they have a few guys whom down the road could get a look you never know we'll see if Blake Walson makes his major league debut this season he was at one point like their top pitching prospect behind Brandon Fott considered by a lot of sites last year that took a little bit of a dip the walks were high the strikeouts were low he kept the ERA down but you know it wasn't um he said the other day he was pretty satisfied with the season in Reno as far as being able to limit the damage but um, there's still some more stuff to see from him as far as consistency is concerned but you know that was you know once a pretty highly touted prospect on the mound and he will be competing for innings this year Christian Mena is somebody to look at as you know somebody who's really popped in camp so far. They brought him in uh, off season trade for Dominic Fletcher from the Chicago White Sox. He made triple a as a 20, 20, year old last year. He's 21. Now His fastball is, is hotter right now. It's like 95, 96, um, which we saw in his spring training debut against the athletics the other day, really good command of the off speed stuff. Somebody who, you know, could be, you know, an answer for them long-term in the rotation you know, maybe not now, but eventually. And maybe by the end of the season, if certain things don't play out the way that Diamondbacks foresee or if there are injuries or, you know, anything can happen with pitching, he's somebody to whom can come in and maybe make an impact later. So there's a few. There's a few guys. And obviously, you mentioned Lawler. He'll have a role at some point, I imagine.
0: Perhaps the new top pitching prospect, Yu Min Lin, mm-hmm. uh, a guy that probably not a ton of fans are super familiar with. Is that a name that people should get familiar with? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
1: Not a great debut against the A's the other day, but in his live BP before that against Diamondbacks hitters, he looked awesome. Um, yeah, he, he he's been really really effective and has kind of climbed pretty quickly. He's still really young. Um, made it to Double A last year, so you know if he gets up to Triple A this year and maybe he's on the doorstep, maybe uh, you, you see you know headlines. I could human Lin make his major league debut this season. So um, really good stuff. Really good command of a lot of his secondary stuff. Um, Yeah, he's he's
0: he's definitely somebody to keep your eye on. So let's look around the National League and maybe more specifically the NL West, but the entire league, really, because this is your NL Champs, essentially. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. last season. I, I mean, I've seen the the new uh, logos they've got all around the facility. It's impossible and, to miss. <laughs> yeah, they want to make it very clear to you that this and is right, what happened. Rightfully so. Obviously. Uh, totally. They they earned it for sure. Um, you got to capitalize when there are banners to be to be hung. Yeah. But um, looking around the rest of the league, you know, we know that the good teams. We know the Dodgers spent a billion dollars on their two Japanese stars over the off season, and by the way, spent a bunch of money on other people too. So that's no surprise. Was like a footnote. <laughs> I know. Like. <laughs> Teoscar hey, Hernandez came over and barely. I don't. I don't think yeah. anybody even noticed. Yeah. Um. So we know they're going to be good. We know that the Braves have a great lineup and they're all signed for the next eight years or whatever. Yeah. Um. But where do the Diamondbacks stack up for you in terms of the NL West and in terms of the rest of the league? Yeah, it's interesting because the NL's kind of in an
1: interesting spot, right? I, I consider their. Let's put the Diamondbacks aside for right now. I, there are three teams who are clearly heads and shoulders above everybody else, in my opinion: the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Phillies. There are three teams that are probably below everybody else. Maybe some younger guys get hot, but you know, I think the Nationals are probably a year away. The Rockies are the Rockies, and the um, the Pirates are still kind of the Pirates, even though they have some intriguing young guys like O'Neill, Cruz, and Brian Hayes. And then they have this kind of middle clump of teams who could win 87, 88 games, could win 75 games. Um, There are some that are better bets than others, but yeah, looking at the NL West, I mean, you look at the Padres, on one hand, they can't possibly have worse fortune in close games that they had last year, right? That'll probably turn a little bit, which helps them in their favor. On the other hand, they've traded Juan Soto, lost Josh Hader in free agency, Blake Snell's still not signed, they also lost Seth Lugo and Michael Walker. That's a lot of talent. They brought in some guys, but it's going to be a lot younger of a team. Granted, they still have Fernando Tatis Jr. and Danner Bogarts and Manny Machado and Hassan Kim and Jake Cronenworth. So it's still a lot of talent, but they lost a lot of talent. And then you have the Giants, who are better than they were last year. Pretty lackluster season last year. Jorge Soler is there now. Um, jung Ho Lee is there now. Robbie Ray, whenever he's healthy, we'll see, um, Jordan Hicks. So so they've made strides to improve the roster. So again, two teams whom could win 87 games, could win 80 games, I don't know. But I feel like the NL is full of those teams, especially in the NL Central. So I feel like the D-backs set themselves up with the offseason moves they have and the depth that they created to be a little bit above that pack. Um, but yeah, you know, you're counting on you know continued growth from the young core you know veteran free agents to maintain what they were in their previous spots or even take a little bit of a step forward so you're still like asking for a lot but at the same time i think that they have kind of positioned themselves to be a little bit above that crop of teams that are kind of all battling with each other in the middle
0: Anything we're missing as we head into week two of spring training? Anything that you're super excited to go out and see? Any particular players that we haven't talked about? What should we be keeping our eyes on as we head into week two of spring? Christian Robinson's been kind of crushing the ball lately. That's a guy who spent a couple years out of the game mm-hmm. for legal purposes and you know his Peace own purposes, his yeah. own you know personal reasons. Um, not many guys come back after missing multiple years of not playing the game. This is a guy who's, I think younger than Corbin Carroll, if I remember right, or right around his age. Yes. I mean, you can't write the kid off and say, like, oh, there's no, you know, there's nothing there. It's clear there's something there. It's just it's how do you evaluate a player like that who has been out of the game for several years? You just got to put him on the field, I guess, and find out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more conversations had about
1: him for sure. I mean, the thing is, he's still huge. He's still fast. And the power is there what does that look like in you know the context of a full season because he kind of he he got some playing time last year uh but now what does it look like in the context of a full season that'll be really interesting to see but there are obvious tools that are still there so he's going to be someone that I'm interested in watching Um, Some other younger guys. I mean, Drew Jones is somebody, you know, to keep an eye on this, you know, this this spring and then going forward into the season because injuries have really impacted his career so far. But he's still really talented. So he's somebody who can kind of play himself back into being like one of the better prospects considered. Um, Yeah. And as far as, you know, other things to look at, you know, when will, you know, we get to see Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. Gallon was supposed to pitch on Friday against the Reds. Now he's going to throw in a simulated game in the backfields. Kelly is scheduled for March eighth, I believe. Again, it's you know going to be something to watch as far as how the Diamondbacks, you know, maintain those two guys after everything that they gave them last season. So that'll be something to keep an eye on and throughout the regular season. If guys come out of games a little earlier than maybe they would have.
0: If you haven't had the chance to make it out to spring training, we highly, highly recommend it. Week two of spring training out at the ballpark. Hopefully we'll see you there. For Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been watching the Ain't No Fang podcast at Arizona Sports.